The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Sweet, glorious Friday. We have arrived, ladies and germs. The end of the week. Well, the midweek. The work week. That's all that really matters, right? The weekend. Weekends are busier than the work week. Who am I kidding? Well, uh, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Friday's weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for listening, as always. And you guys kind of, I think by this point, know the drill. Our Friday shows are fun ones. We go through ads, drops, watch list guys, streamers, holds, buys, sells. From the week concluded, we take a look towards the weekend, each team's next game. All 30 teams we preview for the weekend. This is what we are watching for over the weekend, meaning how do we prepare ourselves? What sort of fantasy moves can we get queued up before the games even take place? First things first, though, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall for those that uh, haven't heard that spiel before. HoopBall is hoop-ball.com. That's the website. Someday, we'll kick the, kick the squatter off the folks that have that website without the hyphen in the middle, but that day is not today. You can also follow HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallFantasy, the Every moment news feed where all of your fantasy information can get packaged and fired into your Twitter timeline so that you get the news before everybody else. I know last week I spent a bunch of time telling you guys, you got to get on Twitter and just make sure you follow the right people. Don't go down that deep, dark rabbit hole. Definitely do that. Things break fast on Twitter. Faster than the community at large by quite some time. So go do that. Get yourself an account. Follow me. Follow HoopBall. Do the, you know, just the basketball stuff. And I think you'll be happy you did. One thing we've been pushing pretty hard the last couple of days, and I want to do it here right at the outset, is the HoopBall YouTube page. And and there's a lot of value in it right now. It's something we're finally putting our tender love and care into with a pregame show. Myself, Alan Soroki, Adam King, rotating through hosting a What to Watch For show, which is kind of like the preview segment towards the end of this podcast, but it comes with more detail on each game than what I can do on this show because I you know, I don't want to do 20 minutes on a nightly preview. I want to pare it down for this podcast because there's already so much that we've talked about. So they go into, myself included, uh, we all go into much more detail on that YouTube show. It's also going to be a hub where we do quick hitter videos on breaking news. I don't know what the next one is going to be, but like, for instance, Brewski and I did a quick show on the James Harden trade when that happened last month. So that's your instant reaction stuff as opposed to just a few characters on Twitter. Yeah, I'll throw it out on Twitter, but if you want the bigger breakdown, this that's where it's going to be. So go to youtube.com slash C slash hoopball. And I, there's got to be a better way for me to get you guys that link. I don't know what it is, but that's how it's going to be on this podcast. And maybe I'll try to tweet it out when I uh, retweet this podcast's alert, or I'll put it in the, the info. Hey, there you go. That's a smart idea, Dan. I'll put it in the info for today's show. So you can find it that way very easily. 
Go do check that out. Subscribe to the Hoopball YouTube page. That's the way that you can know when new quick hitter videos are dropping or when our, our What to Watch For show is dropping. We also want to get some shows going during the games as they're happening, kind of recapping whatever's been going on, fantasy news, betting stuff, DFS stuff. This is going to be an expanding platform for us. And uh, I think, you, I mean, I know I should say that you guys are going to want to be a part of it. So again, that's youtube.com slash C slash hoopball. Go subscribe there. Now, Adam, on the case today at about 3.15 Pacific time, what to watch for. That uh, is the next show on the Hoopball YouTube page. Diving into the weekend review here on this Friday edition of Today in Sports Betting. We'll start with the ads because those are the fun ones, right? Let's start with the ads and we'll work our way down the list. I, I like to start with the ads because I want to make sure that those guys get the, the biggest explanation treatment that we can offer. Couple of bigger names on this one. Wendell Carter Jr. I'm putting in the ad list. And I wouldn't have even put him there, but he didn't get off to a great start this season. And I know he played a handful of games before he got hurt, so it wasn't like uh, an extraordinarily small sample size. However, he got dinged up, and he got dropped in a lot of spots because he was, whatever, 150-something, right? He was, he was somewhere in that 150 range. Um, if you're sorting by totals, you won't even find him because he's missed a whole bunch of time. Uh, 146, there's the exact number on Wendell Carter Jr. 13 points, 8 rebounds, 0.6 steals, 0.6 blocks. Those are the numbers that, to me, probably begin to come around. Because I like the points, I like the rebounds, I like the field goal percent. Free throw percent isn't terrible. The thing that's keeping him out of fantasy contention right now is that 1.2 combined defensive stats just isn't going to get it done. But he was dropped in a couple of, of leagues that I'm in because he wasn't performing that well. Because the defensive stats are down this year, and his minutes actually are down this year. But I, I do look back towards his rookie season where he blocked 1.3 shots in 25 minutes, and then this year at .6, last year at .8. I don't know if that was a Jim Boylan thing, if he was, you know, the Bulls as a team were starting to kind of find themselves when Carter got hurt. The other stuff is all seemingly quite sustainable. In fact, you could even see the free throw percent trend up. He was at 79 his, his rookie season, 74 last year, 73 this year. Uh, and, you know, they're dinged up. No Otto Porter, no Lowry Markinen. We've seen the backups at center at this point are not prolific. Seems like Daniel Gafford had sort of a big surge of energy and then faded a little bit. It's a really good spot. He's upgraded to doubtful. That doesn't mean he's back yet from a, a vicious thigh contusion. And I was never going to say, like, a thigh contusion? Four weeks? That's a really long thigh contusion. But all of a sudden now, he's uh, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. There will likely be a ramp up also. So if you pick him up, you don't have to drop him in immediately. But he's in a pretty good spot with marketing out a few more weeks. So if he got dropped, go scoop him up. If he didn't, disregard the previous Derek Rose is the next name on my list. I'm really excited about this one. I think he's going to carve himself out a stellar role in New York under Tom Thibodeau, his old buddy, his old coach. His debut with the Knicks was nice. He went for 14 and three assists with a steal, a block, two three-pointers, made his free throws as he does, made his shots as he often does. This year's been a weird one for him, kind of a, a bit of an outlier in Detroit. Shot just 43% from the field this season. 
as his career has done this weird dual trajectory thing, early in his career, he was all take it to the rim. It was just a, a boatload of free throws. Uh, the field goal percent started to trend down by about his third, fourth year in the league when he started taking a bunch of three-pointers. That stuck for a while. You know, when he was a full-time starter, he was taking five, six, three-pointers a game and shooting. He's only a 30-percenter from downtown. That was a big-time drag on his numbers. He's been, really throughout his career, pretty good from two-point range. And that came back recently. He shot 48% with Minnesota two years ago. Last year in Detroit, he shot 49%. And a lot of the help there was that he wasn't taking that many three-pointers. Just three a game. Just 20% of his shots, basically. This year, um, slightly greater number of threes. He was at uh, 2.6 of them. I guess that's still about 20% of his shots. But his two-point field goal percent was down this year. Currently, steals are up a little bit. I don't think that holds all year, although if his minutes trend up, then maybe they can level a little bit. And then, of course, the real key here is that over his career, he's always been a very good free throw shooter. And so more responsibility means more free throws and assists. Now, that was a pretty good number for him last year in Detroit. He was a five and a half assists a ball game. There's a very real path to him getting back near that number with New York this year. Even as the shooting guard, seemed like he was the shooting guard in the second unit, he pretty much runs that offense in the second unit. And I think his minutes trend up as he settles in. He played just 20 minutes in his debut, but looked really good, had the place fired up, hadn't played in a little bit. Uh, Detroit had been sitting him while they were working on moving him. But I like Derrick Rose a lot. I think he all very easily gets himself inside the top 100, There's a little bit of room for upside beyond that because of the assists, but we'll see how that stuff actually shakes itself out. So I'm pretty excited about that one. And his teammate in New York, Nerlens Noel, is back on my ads list. He has quietly been really good lately. On the year, he's number 130 in 9-cat in 17.5 minutes per ball game, but lately we've seen him start to settle in in a way that he, he didn't look comfortable at the beginning of the year. Last month, he's played 12 games, Averaged 20 minutes per ball game in those, and he's number 87. And that's while not attempting any shots at all. If that changes even a little bit, like if the four points per game become five or six, he's a top 75 guy, which is wild. And no one will ever notice because all of his value is tied up in being average in rebounds and then stellar in steals, blocks, and field goal percent and turnovers. He's like, he picks the four categories that no one ever pays attention to. Steals, blocks, field goal percent, turnovers. If if he was good in free throw percent, he'd be the reverse fantasy enthusiast. Everybody looks at points. Everybody looks at threes, rebounds, assists. Those are the four things that everybody looks at as soon as they stare at a fantasy player. It's just remarkable to me that a guy like Nerlens Noel can have the same fantasy value as the guy ranked right next to him. Boyan Bogdanovich is almost the exact opposite player of Nerlens Noel, who, by the way, I like Boyan also. He's been trending up in a, in a big way for Utah lately. On the year, he's at 18.5 points, four boards, 2.5 assists, 3.5 three-pointers. Really, no steals, no blocks, field goal percent, sub-average, good free throw percent, and uh, okay, he's okay in turnover. So he's not the exact opposite. It's hard to find an exact opposite right next to him. 
someone who's bad in both percentages and turnovers and the defensive stats, but really good in the front four. Is there anyone in the NBA that's just really good in the front four and terrible in everything else? Demonis Sabonis would be a close one, but he's pretty good in field goal percent, so, you know, that doesn't that doesn't really do it. Uh, I don't know. Um, we're looking at the last month right now, regardless. But the uh, the point here is that you can be good at any four or five categories in fantasy. It doesn't have to be the eye-popping ones. It doesn't have to be the obvious ones. So people are like, Nerlens Noel, he seems... Why, how could he possibly be ranked by these other guys? Well, that's how. Every category is important. Hmm. I can't find that. I, I really want to find an example of an of Nerlens and opposite Nerlens. Kevin Herter's not far off from being opposite Nerlens. Kind of bad in both percentages, but he's pretty good in turnovers and he's been okay in steals, and not very good in rebounding. So that doesn't that doesn't quite fit it. How the hell are we gonna find this guy? That'll be our project. That'll be our non-live show project. Who's a guy who's terrible in both percentages, turnovers? and defensive stats, and somehow has fantasy value, because he's very good in the front four. If you can find it, great. Find me that guy. I don't know if he exists. Doesn't matter. Nerlens, top 75 upside. Uh, seems like he's carved himself out a nice little 19-minute roll right now. Uh, easy top 100, as, as is the next guy on our list. That's Kelly Olynyk, who uh, sits just inside the top 100. On the year now, he's moved inside that mark, and I don't know that he falls back outside of it. He's averaging 10.5 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, just under a steal, just under a block. He's, oddly enough, not doing well in both percentages, but I think both of those trend up. So there's actually a lot of things with Olenek to look at, and you're like, look, this is a guy who is kind of at the bottom of where he could be in 27 minutes of ball game. The field goal percent should come up, free throw percent should come up, uh, and with those threes, points would would also travel. So there's sort of two things that can positively regress and then impact two more things. You can see four categories for this dude that actually just kind of come up all by themselves. Kelly Olenek could be inside the top 80 at the end of the next month. I, he doesn't need to be on my ad list anymore because he's been on our ad list for multiple weeks in a row. But I still he's still under-owned in my estimation. His uh, his ownership right now, is, when we go by Yahoo, is 43%. He's finally starting to spike. 16% over the last couple of days. What took everybody so long? We've known for a long time that Olenek's had that right fantasy stat set. And I, you know, I foolishly dropped him in a couple of places when he was just exhausted and I needed to get someone into my lineup that was doing more. But he's he's an easy start right now. Had two threes, two blocks, 13 rebounds yesterday. Like, there's very little not to like about his fantasy game. Next dude on the list, Daniel Tice, who's, frankly, not all that different from Olenek. In 24 minutes a game right now, he's at 111, and he's been higher than that on the year. Steals and blocks starting to come around as he gets his legs back underneath him. He's clearly the center of choice in Boston. He has separated himself from the pack. Is some of that related to Marcus Smart being out and Boston being able to go bigger and, and use their big guys more safely? Yeah, maybe. But look, he's top 75 over the last month. 11, 5.5, 1.5, 0.7 steals, 1.1 blocks. Great field goal percent. 
decent enough free throw over uh, a three-pointer per ball game, low turnovers. Everybody's been celebrating guys like LaMelo Ball. Over that same month, Daniel Tice is actually ranked three slots ahead of him in 9-cat. Nine 9-cat, nine yeah, turnovers is a big one, but Malcolm Brogdon is behind Daniel Tice over the last month. Aaron Fox, Mikhail Bridges, these guys are all behind Daniel Tice over the last month. I'm also irritated with myself on that one. I picked him up almost everywhere, and then when it looked like he was going to get pushed back out to the fringe, I abandoned ship too early. What have I done? I'm not going to forgive myself for that one. I, I should, I mean, you guys all know I've been preaching Daniel Tice since last year. We're, we're like 13 months into the Daniel Tice thing, and I wasn't there ready to catch him when he finally started to look healthy. I am thoroughly upset with myself. Hopefully you guys were smarter than me and actually hung on a little bit longer. TJ McConnell continues to be solid enough. He's number 108 over the last month because there are some pretty big limitations to his game. But eight assists a game over a month and almost two steals. It sort of doesn't matter what else he does. And also, I'll point out, he's dealing with some sort of weird mental thing at the free throw line. He's shooting 14% on free throws over that stretch. I think he's one for seven free throw shooting his last month. If he makes even four out of those seven, which still, by the way, not good and not at his career mark, uh, no, it doesn't change his points per game very much. It doesn't change anything very much, but he goes from being a massive free throw liability to sort of a nothing, and that moves him easily inside the top 100. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm going to keep trotting him out until the free throw thing fixes itself, or they move him back to the fringe. But he's providing a spark for that Pacers team that other guys just aren't. He's he's a locomotive. He's an energy guy. Teams need energy guys. I'll keep trotting him out there. I don't know what's taken so long on the McConnell thing, too. Like He's another guy that I was able to get in, in uh, countless places. And he's been solid. Everybody's like, assists are hard to find. Everybody yells at me about that all the time. And you're right. You're not wrong. So then why why was McConnell such a slow uptake kind of thing? Anyway, uh, he didn't really need to be on the list. Guess what? I'm going to put a, a controversial one on my list. I'm going to add Ivica Zubots to my ad list, even coming off of a clunker of a ball game. Right now on the year, uh, or on the month, I should say. We'll do everything over the last month. Because the year is not... Uh, perfectly indicative at this point that wipes out those first three weird weeks over the last month Zubats is averaging 21 minutes per game eight points nine rebounds a block 64 percent from the field 90 at the free throw line uh that's top 113 over that spell and I'll tell you this if he keeps that up for the season and mind you uh the 21 minutes over the last month I is actually sort of catching him on the lower end of that marker over the last two weeks. He's actually at 22 minutes per game, although he's actually ranked lower over that stretch because his blocks have trended down. He's not a massive shot blocker, and that is, you know, the the segue here, that is going to be the thing that might limit him or will limit him. But we've never really seen Zubats play enough minutes to get a more firm look at that number. Meaning, if he really does trend up towards 22 
minutes per game or more. I mean, like legitimately here, there's a couple of lower ones blended in. Their loss in Brooklyn, the Nets went crazy small, and he just had no chance of keeping up. And then their win last time out in Minnesota, where he just didn't have the touch, and so they kind of abandoned ship on it. Yes, you have to look at those games as an aggregate, but he had a 28-minute and a 27-minute performance mixed in there against Cleveland and Sacramento. Those games were 10-16 and 16 with three blocks and 12-14 and 14 without a block. My hope here is that if he really is going to trend towards 22 or even 23 minutes a game, he, he's a pretty easy trend line to follow. That would get him to over a block a game. That should get him to about 1 or 1.1. And that's a really big difference because blocks are so critical. And if you're talking about a guy, you know, if he goes from 0.8 to 1.1, meaning he's adding basically a block or a little over a block every week, that ends up being a pretty big deal in Roto. You look at the end of the year, an extra 15 blocks on your team, what would that have done? Is that a point? That might be a Roto point. That might be two, depending on how close you are to somebody. Good field goal percent, good free throw percent, rebounds relatively well. He is extraordinarily boring. I can't cover that part up. But he's also really predictable. If he gets 22 minutes, he will average 8 and 9 with a block on good percentages. And you're like, okay, what's that going to do for me? Well, that puts him at the top 100. Just a very safe, plodding top 100 center, which is cool because we have a number of these on our list right now. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., who has the upside but hasn't hit there yet. Nerlens Noel, who is the low other stats but big-time steals, blocks, field goal percent, turnovers guy in this group. You've got Kelly Olynyk and Daniel Tice, who are more the well-rounded, get you some threes, get you some points, get you a couple of rebounds, get you two, you know, one and a half, two assists, get you a little, you know, around a little less than a steal, maybe around a block. Percentages aren't quite as good. I think Tice's percentage will level off here. He's been on a bit of a heater, uh, especially from downtown. I think he made like five of six threes in one of their recent ball games. And their turnovers will be a tiny bit higher. And then you've got the Zubats choice if you're like, well, you know what? I don't need the three-pointers, say. I don't need three-pointers, but I do need a big boost in field goal percent and rebounding. He's the guy on that list that rebounds. Then Tice, then Olenek, then Noel as you kind of work your way down the board. And Wendell Carter Jr. is up there at the top of the rebounding board as well. So each of these centers has a clear path to the top 100. Noel probably has the the easiest path inside of it because of what he does defensively. Wendell Carter Jr., probably the second easiest because his role. Then I'd argue Tyson Olenek are kind of interchangeable, and then Zubats is the guy who almost definitely won't go past that mark because there's no real upside there. But there's also no real downside. He's not going to just disappear either. They like him. All right, rest of the ads on my list. Ricky Rubio is an ad. I've talked about him a lot this week, so I don't want to spend too much time going back through him on today's show. The reason he's an ad, and he plays tonight, Friday night, and who knows what's going to happen there. D'Angelo Russell's out at least two more ball games, so you know there should be uh, some Ricky Rubio here. He, I, I, his decision-making's been, at times this year, a tad questionable. However, uh, he gets you assists. It's this T.J. McConnell thing we were just talking about. 
And without D'Lo standing in his way, he should at least get, you know, 25, 26, 27 minutes in this ball game. So he'll get you a few rebounds, not many points, assists, some steals, that kind of thing. Maybe he'll continue to take some threes. He has the last couple of ball games. I think he's an ad because you just don't really know how this turns out. He's been terrible so far this year. There's no real way to argue around that. His percentages have been bad. He's had one really good game lately, which, and that's the thing with him, is it doesn't take much. A giant assist game here and there, and you can be inside the top 100. You just have to not screw up all the other stuff. And that's the beauty of Ricky Rubio is if if he does start to turn that corner, you just can't afford to not be there to catch it. But he probably won't. He probably won't. D'Lo probably comes back and knocks him off the mark. I just, I think you've, You'd rather be the one who's got him and then drops him as opposed to the guy who doesn't have him in case it does stick. Patrick Williams is on my ads list, although I, you know, I pondered moving him down to the hold or even watch list portion of the proceedings because if Wendell Carter Jr. does come back here soon, that'll start to take some minutes away. I don't think it'll be enough yet, though. I think Williams still holds his spot. Otto Porter is out indefinitely with back issues. Markinen would kind of have to come back too and then they end up going big, and then guys like Valentine and Temple all start pushing Williams into that same bucket. So for now, eh, you know what? Call him a streamer. You can put him in the streamer chunk. Maybe ads was a little bit too aggressive here. We'll call him a streamer, and don't worry, we'll do that list here in a minute or two. And Dante DiVincenzo is the last one on my ad list. He got dropped in a bunch of spots, and he really shouldn't have been. He's been... Uh, He got off to a really good start this year, went through uh, a relatively sustained cold spell, and now it seems like he's come roaring back. Over the last month, he's number 159, so it was kind of a rough patch. Didn't shoot a free throw as well. He was at 39% from the field. A lot of stuff went away for him, but, you know, he's going to play in the high 20s in minutes, and that's enough for him. He should be able to register inside the top 100 per game. He's also quite durable. We've seen so far this in his young career, and, you know, if you're looking at totals, he should be able to punch his way well inside the top 100 at the end of the year. I think he's inside there already. We won't spend quite as much time on the other names on this list because we're already 25 minutes into a podcast that I'm hoping to keep under an hour. I think I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. Let's jump over to the buys and sells because I think, you know, I I try to do this in order of importance And because the other stuff on this list isn't, other than drops, I guess, the other stuff on this list isn't really immediately actionable. And even drops, you need to have a corresponding ad. So here, let's do this. Let's do the drops, because you're like, well, who can I drop to pick up some of those guys you mentioned? All right, Dan, here's your list. The Time Lord is a drop. He's out with uh, hip stuff. He was already kind of getting phased out anyway as Daniel Tice continued to chew up more of those center minutes. It does look like it's largely a Tice Tristan Thompson duo, and I think they're moving away in Boston from running one of those two or even three big men at power forward. That wasn't working. Grant Williams has taken up a lot of those minutes, semi Ojale sliding in there, and sometimes they'll move Tatum up to play a little power forward as well. So it looks like the Time Lord is a little bit of the odd man out. He'll have those games where he pops up for 14, 15 minutes and does get you a good line, but the average, the aggregate of it all isn't going to be enough. Wayne Ellington is a drop right now. Unfortunately, he had a stretch where he had 37 threes in five ball games, but he got hurt, lost his touch, and Josh Jackson's kind of taken at least half of his job. 
Ellington's still starting, but they're locked into timeshare right now. It's, you know, Ellington plays the first seven minutes. Jackson plays about 11 or 12. And then Ellington comes back for the last five or six of the second quarter. Unfortunately, that's not enough. I need him out there 28-ish minutes taking enough three-pointers. And yes, it's possible he does re-grab that role, but he's not right now. And when he's not playing a ton of minutes and taking a bunch of threes, he's not useful. He can't float his value like some of these other guys we're talking about, even in the drop list. Here's one. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's been a drop so far this year. And I know that that's a crazy thing to think, but, like, he hasn't even sniffed the top 200 this season. He's 230th. He is one of the worst players in fantasy this year, and he's hurting teams way more than he's helping them. And the amazing thing is that he's 70% rostered. The only reason to roster Blake Griffin is if you think he's going to get moved to a team that wants him to be old Blake Griffin. I don't even think that, like, there isn't a young team that's going to take Blake Griffin and just say, hey, go to work, nor will he care if he goes to such a team. He wants to go to a contender, but a contender's not going to expect him to go do what he did, even as recently as two years ago. Two years ago in Detroit, he played 35 minutes a game, averaged 25, 7.5, and 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 5.5. He's disengaged this year. He's completely disengaged. This is a career 50% shooter, shooting 37%. Career 8.7 rebounding guy at 5. I mean, it's just, it is ugly. It's ugly to watch. He's not engaged. He's not motivated. So he's just sort of floating around, running kind of a passive point guard role out of the power forward spot. And, you know, it's become even more passive since DeLon Wright has grabbed a lot of that point guard job. Like, real point guard. I think you can drop Blake Griffin. I just, I I don't see a destination. What team is going to trade for him and they're just like, here, go take 17 shots a game. What team is that? What team wants a power forward like Blake Griffin? What, what? Insane argument is there for what teams even need power forwards? Start with that. If anything, he's a salary dump. And then you're tough. Like, you, I don't know what you do with that. So I don't know that this comes back. I think you're sitting on a dead asset at this point. I think you can drop both Brooklyn centers. I know DeAndre Jordan has had a couple of good ball games with Kevin Durant out because that's bought him his center minutes back. KD's returning here shortly, probably tomorrow. Uh, which means Jeff Green and DeAndre are going to go back to splitting the center minutes. And when that was happening, it was mostly going to Green. Which, by the way, might make Jeff Green a pickup again. We'll see. He's been terrible as a power forward on this team because it moves him away from the bucket. The rebounds go away. The easy looks go away. Other power forwards are better at guarding him than other centers are at guarding him. So Jeff Green does have a path to be useful again at some point here uh, with Durant returning. I don't think DeAndre Jordan will. Lou Dort, Darius Baisley in category leagues. I'll add that qualifier there because points leagues, they do hang on a little bit, especially Baisley. But those guys, their percentages are so terrible that there's almost nothing they can do to fix it, to overcome that issue. I don't think either one of them, is either one inside the top 200 over the last month? No, neither one is. And that's not going anywhere either. Not quickly. Alfred Payton and uh, Emmanuel Quickly are probably in your drop list with Derrick Rose in New York now. 
I could make an argument that quickly has slightly better fantasy ability. But I don't know that there's enough minutes for either of them now. If they're both relegated only to the point guard job, and heaven forbid Derrick Rose starts taking some point guard bucket minutes and R.J. Barrett keeps his shooting guard minutes, things really go away fast for Peyton and Quickly. I think they're both drops, unfortunately, because we were hoping that Quickly would take over the point guard job, and now it looks really unlikely. I'm holding Alec Burks, by the way. I think that probably the next question you're like, well, Dan, what about Burks? I'm going to hold him a little bit longer. He's more in a timeshare with Reggie Bullock, and you know you can see Burks in 25, 26 minutes of ball game. He could still be a top 100 guy. So I'm not abandoning ship on that one yet. They they need his punch. He was good in their last ball game. He's been pretty good lately since it seems like he's kind of got his legs back health. So I'm not dropping Burks just yet, but those other guys. Yeah, probably. So let's move over to the buy and sell portion of the proceedings, and then we'll kind of lightning round our way through the watch list, streamers, and hold guys. I'm buying on Kemba Walker, Davis Bertans, and Russell Westbrook. And I, I want this to be a segment that people hear me say names and go, ugh, what? Because, yeah, Russell Westbrook, he hasn't been inside the top 100 either. Or top 200 either, I should say. Definitely not top 100. He's 186 overall on this season. So just barely inside the top 200. On 20 points, 9 boards, 9 assists. He's, okay, there's your anti nerlands Noel. He has not been good in steals, blocks, or either percentage or turnovers. He's been terrible in the five categories where Nerlens Noel is very good, and Westbrook has been quite good in the categories where Nerlens does nothing. Pretty remarkable, huh? One of those guys is top 75, the other is 190. It's not the way you'd expect. But here's the thing about Westbrook. Beal probably getting traded. I can't imagine he lasts this entire season in Washington, not with the way things are going right now. And if, if Beal gets traded, then Russ really gets to go bananas. He's going to get his rest days. Yes, you have to be okay with that, regardless what format you're in. It's, yes, easier to handle in Roto than it is in head-to-head. But I also think you're talking about a guy who's currently shooting 41.5% from the field and 67% at the free-throw line. One or maybe even both of those numbers probably tick up a little bit. Also, 0.8 steals and 0.4 blocks. He's a guy who's averaged 1.7 steals in 34 minutes over his career. He's at 33 minutes right now. 1.7 becoming 0.8 doesn't really make much sense. And even in his recent years, if you were like, well, maybe he's been trending down. Uh, Houston, he was at 1.6 last year. Fine, maybe the 47% shooting in Houston was a bit of a mirage playing alongside Harden and just getting open looks all the time. And maybe he really is more of a 44, 43, 44 percenter. So perhaps that number doesn't come all the way back. 67% free throw shooting? That looks more like his weird mental stuff at the end of the OKC days. Does he get back into the 70s? But at the very least, his steals could double. And you could see him go triple-double mode if Beal is indeed traded. And then at that point, it almost doesn't matter if he's bad at other stuff. Then you're talking about last season in OKC Westbrook, who averaged 23-11-11 and 11, while shooting 43% from the field and 66% at the free-throw line. And he was, you know, top 50-ish, top 60 guy. So yeah, he's been horrible this year, but he has a lot of things that should come around pretty easily. 
So we're going to run a little test on Twitter today. And I'll tell you what that's going to be after we get through these other two guys. Davis Bertans is the next one on my list. Also in Washington. Also a guy who is just barely now starting to get his legs underneath him. I mean really barely. Like he's finally beginning to take shots. In fact, I could argue he was just starting to feel himself before his bout with COVID. That last game before he didn't play for 18 days, he had six three-pointers. Since he's come back from COVID, 0-3-2-3-2-2-4-3. Those jump out at me too, those last couple, because he's started, played 38 minutes in uh, their game in Chicago, and then 28 minutes in their last one against Toronto. And all of his shots were three-pointers in those games. This uh, sort of a fun little footnote on Davis Bertans. He's taking nine shots a game. Eight of them are three-pointers. He's a career 40%er from downtown, so there's a possibility that comes around. He's shooting 33% from downtown right now. So again, legs aren't there. Small sample size. As his stuff comes around, even if he doesn't take another two-pointer the rest of his life and he's taken eight, nine three-pointers a game, he's going to hit you almost four. Good foul shooter if he gets there. Rebounds should trend up a little bit as he gets his legs. He's at three and then four in the last two ball games. He's averaging 2.7 on the year. Turnovers are going to be low. Steals, blocks, that's not really ever going to be a big-time thing for him, but he'll luck his way into a couple. Uh, do I think he gets anywhere near the top 50, top 60 marker he was rolling at last year? No, I don't. Although, again, if Beal's traded, that frees up a bunch of looks. Still, you know, he's at nine shots a game this year. I think that trends up towards 10, maybe 10 and a half. His minutes are at 25 this year. That trends up probably towards 28 or 29. And there's just a lot of things to look at with him where you're thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. And then finally, Kemba Walker, who has one of the same issues as Westbrook. He's going to sit back-to-backs. I like Kemba as a buy-low right now because I think uh, the bad publicity was kind of overwhelming things a little bit. He's shooting 35% right now, guys. Bad though you may think he's become, if you think he just doesn't have it anymore, over every extended period of basketball in Kemba's career, he's been at 39% or better. And we're going way back to the beginning of his career to talk about some of those ones. Over the last five seasons, basically, he's been at around 42 to 44%. So 35%. Even last year in Boston, where he, he totally ran out of gas and had the injury stuff, he was at 42.5%. So the 35% is going to come up by probably 6% this year. The other stuff, just assume it stays about the same. Although the minutes, you could expect, will trend up a little bit as well. Remember they said they were going to keep him at 28 minutes for a while, and then all of a sudden he went 30, 32, 32, 30, 30. So yeah, you could get him to 30 minutes. Put him at 30. He's at 27.5 right now. Adjust the field goal percent, adjust the minutes, and you've got a guy who's scoring probably around 18, 19 points a game with about five assists, four rebounds. Maybe around three three three-pointers. Very good free throw percent. Very good. Last five, six years of his career, he's been 86 to 90% range. And he's currently in the 130s. Sorry, 129. Close. I was close. 
If you can get Kemba Walker for someone in the, mm, let's call it 90 range, you do it. Kevin Herter's in there at 90. He's got some name power. Uh, <laughs> who else is sort of doinking around in that neck of the woods? This is, by the way, over the last month. I'm, I'm not talking about for the full season. I think anybody you trade with is going to be looking at, is going to be thinking largely about what guys have done lately. Montrez Harrell, 83 over the last month. That's a And then that one messes up your team build a little bit. I get it. Uh, other guys that are sort of capped out where they are. I don't know how Kendrick Nunn is number 86 over the last month, but he is. You're not getting anything for him. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich over the last month is 88. He's been white hot lately for Utah. He likely comes back to earth a little bit. You could probably flip him out there, see if you can get yourself a Kemba. Larry Nance is hurt, so that probably won't get it done. You could look at the full season, too, if you really wanted to. See if you can get yourself some Kemba. Uh, what I was going to say is that on Twitter today, provided there's time, might be over the weekend if it's not today, we'll run some tests. We're going to find out what people will take for these guys. And I'll put some polls out. Hey, who would you take here? Kemba, someone else. Davis, someone else. Russ, someone else. I'm going to try to come up with some polls that'll give you guys an opportunity to see what it'll actually take to pry some of these players loose. And the beauty of polls is that it's not just everybody that listens to the podcast. Because if all of you guys are the ones voting in the poll, you're going to probably agree with what I'm saying. And I don't want that. I don't want to lead the witness here. I want the general public. I want the masses voting on this. Where if I'm like, hey, what if I offered you, uh, who are these guys we were just talking about over the last month? What if I offered you Montrez Harrell? Would you give me back Kemba or Westbrook? I'm not going anywhere near that area for Davis Bertans. I'm looking at it like a Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, someone who's been more in that 115 range longer term. Eric Gordon in Houston, way more name power than actual fantasy ability. Eric Gordon is like, I guess, almost what you'd want Davis Bertans to be, uh, but with uh, better rebounding and better defensive stats. <laughs> Mason Plumley, he's been heating up a little bit lately. Maybe you could get him for him. I don't know. And maybe looking at the last month isn't the right way to do it either. Because Evan Fournier is number 124 over that month, but for some reason he's had issues shooting free throws. Go figure. So we'll play a little game on Twitter. And here's my other side of it. Here's your sell guy. He's number five over the last month. Now, admittedly, he's only played seven games over that stretch, but do you guys know who I'm going to say? Big Al Horford. Big Al Horford is a fat sell high right now. Over his last seven games, he's averaging 19-7-4. and four. Two steals over a block. Almost three three-pointers on 49% from the field. And perfect. Eight for eight at the free throw line over that stretch. Yep, he's a first-rounder over his last seven ball games. I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get a first-rounder back for Big Al. And uh, one of the problems there is that he got off to a bit of a slow start. So on the season, he's number 40, which still looks really good, but you know doesn't quite have that first-round sparkle to it. I don't think you're getting guys that are around Big Al. I don't think you're going to be able to trade him for someone else who's right at that 40 marker. But I would look one round back. And I'm talking about on the season, and I'm talking about guys that you believe have sustainable markers for the season. 
Jonas Valanciunas is number 57. Could you get him for Big Al? Who's 17 slots ahead? Neither one of them actually has played all that many games because Memphis had COVID stuff and Horford had personal stuff. What about Jared Allen at 58, who's somehow only 18 slots back of Horford and hasn't even come close to being unleashed in Cleveland yet? What if Andre Drummond gets moved? I don't think you're getting Julius Randle. He scores too much. How far down the board would you go? Would you trade Al Horford for Mitchell Robinson, who's number 60 on the year right now? I think I probably would. And I'll tell you why. Because per game and totals matter. These trades are easier to make in a head-to-head league because that's where you really need guys to be playing games. But look, there's no way Al Horford plays every game the rest of the way. He's going to sit out back-to-backs, probably all of them. He's most likely going to get dinged up at some point because, you know, whatever. Oklahoma City doesn't really have things to play for. He's doing exactly what they wanted him to do, which is rehabilitating his value and turning himself into a trade ship. Probably gets moved in the offseason, but you never know. He looks so good right now, maybe a team wants that. Probably to be a backup center, probably not to be their starter, but who knows? Like, what if Big Al ended up back in Boston and just slides in as a better iteration of Daniel Tice? There are teams out there that could use Big Al. So as great as he's been, as unsustainably great as he's been lately, and I love Big Al. He's he's you know he's on all of our old man lists all over the map. Uh, this is a premier sell high moment, and so we'll do a little game with Big Al. Also, take that to Twitter. What would you take here? What would you? What might you be able to get back for Al Horford? Because look at it from this perspective. By per game, he's number forty. By totals, he's 94. And just like I mentioned, Mitchell Robinson was number 60 by per-game markers. He's number 34 by totals. That's the difference in just playing in every game your team has. It's a really big deal in head-to-head leagues. A little bit less so in Roto, because in Roto you take 16 Horford games and then 10 fill-in games, whatever the hell they might be. I don't know what center, maybe it's Evita Zubats. 10 of Evita Zubats and 16 of Al Horford probably does pass Mitchell Robinson at 34. That combination. I can't do that math on the fly, but that 26-game group probably gets you into the, I don't know, Mitchell I said was 34. 16 of Horford and 10 of Zubats is probably about a half round ahead. I had to guess of where Robinson is right now. But it's close. It's close. It's probably close to where Demonis Sabonis is at, which is like a half round ahead of Mitchell Robinson. And they both played 26 games, by the way. So yes, it's a little bit of a tougher move to make in Roto where you can fill in the missing games. Head-to-head, totals are what matters. If a guy misses a game, he misses a game. You don't get that back. That day is done, and it's a zero. So that's why you got to move a, a guy like an Al Horford. And it's why, by the way, on the buy low side of this thing, when I suggested two dudes that do take rest days off, you have to consider that as well. You know, if you're going to go get Kemba Walker and you're going to offer someone like, say, a Montrez Harrell, who's not going to take rest days, he might beat him in value the rest of the way. I don't. It's possible. By totals, I don't think he will. I think Kemba actually eclipses him in both. But, you know, just, just pulling that as an example, Walker's going to sit, I would think, at least some, you know, seven to ten games the rest of the way. I don't know what Boston's second-half schedule looks like, so that's a big 
There's a big fat question mark there as to how many back-to-backs they have. They're going to have a few, though, considering how many games they had postponed. This is turning into a very long podcast. <laughs> okay, lightning round style. Watch list streamers and holds. The watch list, Daniel House and Jay Sean Tate in Houston. Peyton Pritchard in Boston. Denny Avdia in Washington. He should be good tonight, by the way, with no Bradley Beal. And then, you know, should trend up as the season goes, especially if they start to move guys. He's also someone who's uh, dramatically over-rostered, despite being ranked at 180. Finally down under 10%, but it took a while to get there. Avdia, I like his well-rounded game. When he's playing minutes, you're seeing him get, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10 points, 6, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal a three-pointer, but we got to have the minutes. The minutes keep coming and going for the young fella. Watch. Watch closely that one. Alex Len, I put him on my watch list. Doesn't mean we have to do anything with it. Dorian Finney-Smith in Dallas. Lou Williams for the Clippers in case he keeps anything like this going, although that's really more for points leagues. Millsap, Jamichael Green, Will Barton, Monte Morris in Denver, still hoping someone on this team can separate themselves. So far, they have not. Josh Hart in New Orleans, Ken Rich Williams in Oklahoma City, and Frank Kaminsky and Jay Crowder in Phoenix. Those are your watch list guys for now. No moves to be made there. Holds, guys that may have either struggled a tiny bit recently or some other reason have come up. Duncan Robinson is a hold for me. I know he's been on a, a, a pretty serious cold spell, but he just had a five three-pointer game his last time out. I'm hoping that's the beginning of something for him. Because uh, comparing his numbers from this year to last year, they're not that different. And last year, he was number 90. Big difference, 0.7 steals last season, 0.4 this year. Sorry, 0.5 last year, 0.4 this year. Uh, field goal percent was 47 last year and 41.5 this season. Three-point percentage down from 45 to 40. Actually, free throw percent down from 93 to 85 also. So there's a lot of stuff going on with Duncan percentage-wise. That has been kind of the big deal. But he's playing more minutes per game this season. Every reason to think that he starts to come back around. And I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to believe in him because you know his shot distribution is almost exactly the same. 9.6 field goal attempts this year versus 9.4 last season. Uh 8.4 three-point attempts versus 8.3 last year. If everything else settled back where it was, then not only does he get back inside the top 100 or top 90 where he was last year, he actually could move slightly beyond that. He's getting fouled more this season. That's a chance to be uh, an impact guy in a spot where he's very good. So I'm holding on there a little bit longer, at least. Davis Bertans is a hold. In fact, he's a buy, as we just talked about. Josh Richardson is a hold, if but barely. I don't know that there's much upside there. Nick Batum's a hold, because he hadn't really slowed down at all. Cody Zeller, I don't know why I put him on this board. He only had one bad game. And then P.J. Washington is a more critical hold in Charlotte, he was someone that was playing too well before his injury to to consider dropping him. I've had P.J. Washington drop questions. He's uh, number 90 by totals on the year. He's uh, number 113 by averages. He, he's too good at rebounding steals and blocks to give up on him because he had carved out a nice role at power forward and center, but Miles Bridges has been playing well, Cody Zeller's been playing well, and then P.J. got hurt. I think he'll be okay. Although, I've been wrong about him almost every time so far this year. <laughs> and finally, your streamers, if you're into that sort of thing. Isaiah Stewart is your Mason Plumley replacement. 
I put Josh Jackson in my streamer category because I still don't trust him in in nine cat or even eight cat leagues. Dwayne Bacon, James Ennis, question mark. Don't trust him as far as I can throw him. And if Evan Fournier comes back, then he takes, you know, probably 20 shots a game on this Magic team right now. Gary Trent Jr., easy streamer in Portland. Miles Bridges, streaming while he's hot, but it will come apart. It has every time. Who knows? Maybe this is the one, but doubtful. Garrett Temple, Denzel Valentine, possible streamers in Chicago while the entire front court is decimated. Hamadou Diallo is the streamer in Oklahoma City that is at least closer to covering up his deficiencies with other good stuff, but not ultra thrilled about it. And also, at some point, they're going to get their guys back. Jakob Pertl, but that's why it's streamer. That's that's the whole point. Jakob Pertl streaming while LaMarcus Aldridge is out. Joe Ingles streaming while Mike Conley is out. And Patrick Williams streaming while the Chicago front court is gone. Woof! That is a serious weekend review, guys. We still have a weekend preview to do. My good lord, this is a serious podcast. Reminder again here, mid-show, do check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. They are such a wonderful partner to have on this podcast. Open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL and get a 50% deposit match on your first deposit. And when you do that, when you open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL and make your first deposit, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Google search Dan from HOOPBALL. You can find me on Twitter through that method as well. And let me know. Hey, Dan, open up an account on my bookie. What's next? I'll direct message you because I got a prize for you. And I got a few of them actually to give out over this weekend. So let's get that thing rolling. Also, follow me on Twitter. I may have a MyBookie prize to give out regardless. Oh, boy. But don't miss it. Don't miss it. And then if you're opening up an account, you're making your deposit, and you're getting ready to make some bets, and you're thinking, what the hell do I do now? Go to hoop-ball.com and check out the wager pass for just $9.99 a month. That's $0.33 a day. We are adding analysts to the group. We are up now to nine analysts, which is pretty amazing. We've got golf and hockey covered in our premium Discord, as well as player prop expert that goes along with NBA, college basketball plays. We've got soccer plays going right now. There is stuff year-round for $0.33 cents a day. It is the most insane deal that you can find anywhere for quality sports betting analysis and plays. If you just want the plays, you can just get the plays. You don't even take the analysis if you don't want it. But we got that for you, too. That's the wager pass at hoop-ball.com. Check it out now. And if you're already on the fantasy pass, you can upgrade to HoopBall360. That adds the wager pass to your package and gets you a nice little combo discount. Instead of $14.99 together, they are only $12.99 a month together. Also, again, reminder, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash C slash HoopBall. I really do want you guys following us over there uh, to check out some of this new stuff we're doing. It is glorious. Weekend preview time, and I'm in fast talking mode because we're over 50 minutes into this podcast, and I haven't even broken down the upcoming damn card. One thing we don't do on Fridays is we don't do much sports betting talk on the show. So let's look through every team's next game, and there are 11 of them tonight, Friday, so we'll bang out 22 of the 30 teams right out of the chute. This is what we're looking for in each team's next ball game. Minnesota is in Charlotte. The Timberwolves, Cat, back, D'Lo, out. So we're watching Ricky Rubio and just kind of seeing what Carl Anthony Towns looks like here as he settles back in. I also want to know what Anthony Edwards' role looks like 
when this team finally gets all healthy together. Because it looks like he has that starting gig, small forward or power forward, depending on where you put Josh Okoge. Uh, but if Edwards, again, continues to stick, he's been pretty good lately. But he's going to get pushed for usage, and that'll be a big deal. Charlotte side, watching P.J. Washington. He might actually become a bit of a buy-low candidate here if he struggles another game or two on the, the Hornets side. Is Cody Zeller starting to tire? Well, after one of his vicious runs, he gets himself overclocked and then gets hurt. Or was it just a one- or two-game blip? Devontae Graham's health is also kind of on the docket here. New York in Washington. Oh, the Knicks have so much to watch for right now. So do the Wizards. Put this game on your damn homework sheet. Knicks-Wizards. I know, the one you really wanted to watch. This is your homework game. I want to see what Derrick Rose is doing in his second game with the Knicks. I want to see what the point guard minutes look like for Peyton and Quickly. I want to see what the small forward minutes look like for Burks and Bullock. How does R.J. Barrett fit in? Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, they seem like they're in a pretty good little, you know, 28-20 or 29-19 split, so that's cool. So nothing really there. But really, the point guard, shooting guard, small forward stuff in New York is all up in the air right now. On the Washington side, no Bradley Beal for this ballgame. Scheduled rest day for Beal. And everybody's like, oh my god, is this the end? I don't know, man. Dude played, dude plays hard and a lot and just... He's trying everything to keep that team from sinking. I don't think he's tra being traded imminently, but I do think he's getting traded at some point. I, I don't know how they can come to him and say, look, we're going to be okay because a Westbrook-Beal pairing was always going to be a mess, and it's been, I think, even worse than anybody expected. Uh, Bertans is not himself because of COVID and a, and a biffed offseason because of injury. Rui Hachimura is not an impact guy yet. Avdia looks like he's going to be okay, but he's not there yet. They're just bad. And they were bad slash fun last year. They're just bad this year. And that wears on a guy. So with Beal, uh, you know, I, last year he played through injury. I think he'll do it again if he had to. I mean, he's just a dude that goes out there and gives it his all. So I wouldn't be super worried yet. But it, this game is going to give us perhaps a little bit of a preview. And, you know, of course, anybody they trade Beal for would slot into some available time. But you're going to see some crazy Westbrook stuff going on. What does it mean for Alex Len, Bertans, all of this stuff? So and this is a big game to check out. Uh, watch it live. See how minutes get pushed around on that Washington side. See what the rotations look like. I know New York actually plays a little bit slower than some opponents, so you might not have that the wacky and wild Washington-type ball game. But there's a lot to learn from this one. Spurs are in Atlanta to take on the Hawks. San Antonio's had uh, a nice little breather between ball games here. Atlanta having some issues late in contests. They're favored by two, but again, we're not talking betting on today's show. You want that stuff, you go head over to my Twitter thing. We'll do it over there. Spurs, uh, nothing really, just the Marcus Aldridge health. Derek White coming around little by little. Atlanta side, Gallo, he's up to 30 minutes now. Otherwise, they're a pretty predictable lot. Pelicans in Dallas. The Mavericks, we have a bunch of guys that are sort of fringy watchlister types, but no one that's made it quite over the cut line. We'll keep a, a one eye on that. And same deal with New Orleans. And as Josh Hart, can he actually become a more consistent fantasy player? Otherwise, don't care. Clippers, Bulls, 
Uh, Bulls almost beat the Clippers, remember. Zach Levine was incredible in that one. I, I don't, you know, do, do I think the Clippers remember how tight that ball game was? I don't know, man. Right now, the Clippers aren't, their defense has been suffering. They look a little bit fatigued. And no Paul George. Pat Beverly, second game back. We'll see if his minutes trend back into the mid-20s. As he gets up into the higher 20s, that's where I'm willing to throw him into a lineup. Chicago side, I don't expect Wendell Carter back. He was He's listed as doubtful, so that's when we'll really start paying attention to the Bulls again. Right now, there's not a ton of exciting stuff beyond, it seems like Patrick Williams is probably the guy you can, you can sit on a little bit. Detroit will keep watching that shooting guard spot, see if it, the pendulum swings in any particular direction. Uh, that's about it there. Boston, Daniel Tice, we've already talked about him. Kemba sitting this one out, so maybe you get a Peyton Pritchard stream opportunity, and maybe you do, uh, well, you know, Marcus Smart will be back at some point there, so probably not a long-term thing. Thunder, Thunder, they are a stream fest. Shea is out, so they're really down to their nubs again, which means you're going to get Hamadou Diallo for everything you could possibly want. Points, rebounds, steals, blocks, turnovers, terrible percentages, it's all going to be there tonight. <laughs> That's going to be a wild one. Denver, they're favored by 12. That's that's a serious whopper. We'll just keep hoping somebody can step up there, but not really a, much to pay attention to on the Denver side. Bucks, nothing really. Utah, also kind of nothing. You know, there's there's stream opportunities there with no Drew Holiday and so forth, but uh, and no Mike Conley on the opposite side. Cleveland, eh, I don't know. They'll play better in this one because Portland defensively won't be able to lock them down like some of the other teams they've played lately, but they just can't score. They can't score at all. Torian Prince has not been horrible, but he has also not been very good. Portland, we just saw last night, Thursday night. I think we got a pretty good feel for what they are right now until C.J. McCollum comes back. Grizzlies, they're just all depth these days. They'll just play everybody 28 minutes and call it a night. Can anyone separate themselves that we don't know of already? Sounds like Melton and Clark are still out for this ballgame. Lakers, only favored by seven. Makes me think Anthony Davis is probably sitting this one out. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll watch the news on that bad boy. And Orlando is in Sacramento. They're on the back-to-back. The Magic, would love to get Evan Fournier back. Kings, nothing. Nothing to pay attention to there. Flip the card to Saturday. Philly, nothing. Phoenix, Frank Kaminsky's been quite good. I just wonder if he's a placeholder until Dario Saric comes back. Jay Crowder returned from a foot injury, played pretty well in his last ball game. We'll see if he retakes the reins on what he was doing before as a just outside the cut line 3 and D kind of guy. Indiana, eh. I don't know. Are we really watching anything there? Not really. Hawks, not really watching for much. Also, same kind of thing. I think Gallo's sort of the, the one... But he's not even really a wild card anymore. If he's playing full minutes, then he's a go. That's easy. Houston, Daniel House, Jay Sean Tate. We already talked about those guys. They're on our watch list. Knicks, they played the night before. Brooklyn, we'll watch the center thing with KD back. We'll see if Jeff Green can once again push himself into the discussion. Warriors, nothing. Heat, Duncan Robinson, can he get it going? I'm not even really... Olenek's not even really on a watch list anymore. He's just He's just in... And what do we got left? I think I'm missing a team or two. Anybody on Sunday that we didn't cover yet? Eh, we'll do this quick zip through here. Toronto, you know, that's just if someone's out, then Norman Powell's the guy. And I think that might be it. Yep, we'll call it. We'll call it. That's your pod, folks. Dad, darn it, couldn't keep it under an hour. Sorry, everybody. 
If you've been enjoying the this show, please do drop a five-star review. We're just we're piling them up these days. You guys are awesome. Let's keep it going. Please, please, please rate and review the podcast. I will love you forever. Whatever service you use, make sure to subscribe to the show. Put a nice review. Uh, thank you, thank you in advance on that. Again, one more reminder, youtube.com slash C slash hoopball. Don't miss our new shows that you can't find anywhere else. That'll be YouTube exclusive content, and it's free. So that's sweet also. Again, that is the Hoopball YouTube page. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today Hoopball Presentation Monday. We'll loop it back around with a reverse chronological lightning round. Tell you what happened over the weekend, and any of the stuff we were watching for actually came true. Thanks for listening all week, everybody. Thanks for doing all the things I ask you. We will talk to you in a couple of days. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.